Hey, greetings, Faith Church. If I say good day, then that applies to whatever time you're watching this video and worshiping at home. Uh, we're in our Life in the Spirit series, jumping into week number four on the first uh, flavor of the fruit of the Spirit, love. Jeff? You want to take it away? Yeah, thanks. Uh, I am uh, really glad to get into this text today uh, and to have Tom and you here because I need to start with an apology to you guys uh, and, oh, nice. okay. and to Nathan as well. Uh, so whenever you're listening to this, Nathan, um, let me give you guys a little context. Every week, uh, I am really blessed to be part of uh, our pastor's team, uh, a group of uh, godly, wise, uh, really thoughtful guys that uh, get together, and it's just a blessing to be able to uh, hear the insights and the wisdom uh, that other people share, except that you guys tend to drone on. We do talk a lot, yes. Yeah, and and the the problem is that I really want you to hear the wise, godly, and insightful things that I have to say. So I found myself uh, interrupting uh, because I'm impatient mm -hmm. to tell you the stuff that I think is really important and that, and that you need to listen to. So I, I need to apologize to you guys because especially coming into this passage in 1 Corinthians 13 and this fruit of the Spirit, I realize how hard it is for me to love well. And, and it's not just that I don't do a good job of loving my enemies. I don't do that great of a job loving the people that I would tell you I love. And, and I think all of us struggle to love well, um, and that's maybe one of the things that God is really highlighting for us in this pandemic. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if you can relate to that. Um, we grow impatient. Uh, you know, how much longer do I have to wait? Uh, we get easily irritated. Uh, I mean, if, if school doesn't end soon and I don't, I don't have something to do with these kids, um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're good at keeping a record of wrongs. Mm -hmm. That is the fifth time today that you have. Uh, this might be a good time for us to pause, in fact, and, and maybe just do a short reflection around some of those questions, like how much unforgiveness is there in my relationships? Uh, how good am I at keeping a record of wrongs? Uh, how How often does looking at other people's situations uh, lead either to pride or discouragement or resentment. And uh, maybe, you know, how recently have I gotten to the point where I'm just ready to give up and walk out on a relationship? Like, maybe even just today. Mm -hmm. So maybe, that, maybe this is an opportunity to just pause and talk amongst yourselves, reflect. That's, I think, important for us to do because we need to... I think see that about ourselves to be encouraged that there really is hope for us. Yeah. Uh, and, and there is good news, especially in this passage, uh, because the big picture, of course, is that God comes to live in us by his spirit to reproduce the life of Jesus in us. That's, that's why we're here. Mm -hmm. That's God's whole purpose for us, right? And that's what this series, Life in the Spirit, is really all about. Uh, how we participate with the Holy Spirit in the life that God is growing in us. And you've done a great job setting that up over the last few weeks. I, I loved what you said uh, a couple of times recently in different ways, you know, that life in the Spirit is not about some big event, mm -hmm. some super exciting experience. Right. 
that can happen. Yeah. Uh, and, and you and I and, you know, people listening have maybe had some of that. But the reality of the ordinary life in the Spirit is the slow, incremental, gradual process of growing in virtue, in the fruit of God's Spirit over time. And that leads us to live just the way that Jesus did, which is what God wants for us. And uh, you've done a great job over the last couple of weeks. Uh, We started in Galatians 3 and Galatians 5, kind of with this picture of that kind of life. And uh, you said there's these nine flavors, nine varieties of the Mm -hmm. one fruit of the Spirit. And today we're starting to look at the first of those flavors or varieties of the one fruit of the Spirit, which is love. And we're in this uh, probably pretty well-known passage in First mm-hmm. Corinthians 13. You've done a lot of weddings. Yeah, uh, you hear it at weddings all the time. Yeah, yep. yeah. Um, we're in this well-known passage, and uh, Paul, uh, the Apostle Paul begins by uh, putting love in perspective, in a sense. Uh, he's, he's telling us what really matters. Can I ask you to read those first three verses yeah. of First yeah. Corinthians 13? First uh, Corinthians thirteen one through three. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but I have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Paul's examples here are kind of the extremes of all of those things. If I could. Uh, speak uh, in in heavenly and all worldly languages. If I could serve God with complete dedication, have mm-hmm. brilliant insight, perfect faithfulness, radical generosity, spiritual power, but I'm not a loving person. I have literally accomplished nothing. Mm-hmm. If if you have all those things to the ultimate degree, but you're an arrogant, selfish jerk, uh, nothing. Zilch, nada. It's absolutely worthless. In, mm-hmm. in fact, he's saying we could we could maybe put it this way: uh, without love, nothing I say will matter, nothing I know will matter, mm-hmm. nothing I believe will matter, and nothing I give will matter. That's not the way I tend to usually think of those things. Mm-mm. So, kids, here's an opportunity for you. If you have a, a paper at home. Um, Get out a pen or a pencil, draw some zeros on it. Uh, draw like a, a bunch of zeros, a whole row of zeros. Many, you could like fill up the whole page with zeros. Keep, keep adding to it. And no matter how many zeros you put there, it's still going to add up to nothing. It's zero. Uh, Paul is kind of saying everything, everything minus love is nothing. And I don't know if we tend to often think of love that way. If I have a little bit of knowledge, the smallest gifts, an ordinary life, just a little bit of faith, but I use them in love, Mm -hmm. God can do something really impressive and profound with it. It reminds me of uh, the famous quote from Mother Teresa that there are are no great acts. There are only small acts Mm -hmm. with great love. I think that's exactly what Paul is getting at here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what does that even mean? Uh, I mean, you mean love itself? Yeah. Like, what is love? Yeah. Okay. Um, so, so what is love? Let me let me give us one definition uh, from Christian uh, author uh, counselor Paul Tripp. 
from this okay. really good book. Uh, love is, he says, the willing self-sacrifice for the good of another that does not require reciprocation or that the person being loved is deserving. Okay. So we, we He can, doesn't use warm fuzzies in there. Anywhere. No, no. It, but it's, if we slow down, you can kind of break it into a, a few key phrases. Willing okay. self-sacrifice okay. for the good of another mm-hmm. that doesn't require getting something back okay. or that the person that I'm loving deserves it. And that's ultimately, I think, reflecting the kind of love that we see in Jesus and that we receive in Jesus. The Apostle John puts it this way in his first letter. He says, this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation. Mm-hmm. Now, you, you've That's got, a big word, yeah. Yes. Wrath-removing sacrifice. Yes, yeah. The, a, a sacrifice that appeases the just anger towards our sin. Right, God's yeah. settled opposition to the cancer of sin that is eating out our yes. souls. This is the, the sacrifice that uh, ameliorates that anger, alleviates yes. that anger, removes right. that anger. And if that's the way that God has loved us, mm-hmm. that's the way we ought to love one another. I mean, I, I think that's what Paul Tripp and, and the Apostle Paul are getting at. <laughs> uh, this is love. Jesus' willing self-sacrifice for our good, mm-hmm. not because we deserved it, mm-hmm. and not obviously with any expectation that we could pay God back right. somehow. Right. You know, that's, that's grace, Yeah. right? I mean, that's not just being kindly disposed towards or liking, but going out of your way to do good to people who don't deserve it. Yeah. Which is what, which is who God is and what he does. Think about what that means. First of all, it means that love is a command. Okay. God commands us to love. We are to love one another. It's not optional. And because it's commanded, I think that means it isn't primarily a feeling. Yeah. Feelings can't be commanded. Uh, and so love is not primarily a feeling. Uh, that also means love is a choice. Uh, Paul goes on right. to say in the beginning of chapter four, 14, pursue love. Uh, or in some translations, let love be your highest goal. Okay. So that means we can choose to love or not love. We can choose to be loving or not be loving. And no, Paul is saying love is something that we can pursue. Mm-hmm. It's something that we can aim for. We can choose to do. We have some control. We have some involvement. And, and that's really what the rest of this section in 1 Corinthians 13 is about. It's, it's ultimately love is conduct. Love is more than talk. It's more than feeling. It's something that we do. We mm-hmm. know what love is mm-hmm. by what Jesus has done. And then we can see if we're loving by whether or not we're actually doing loving things. Well, let's yeah. take some time and look at these. That's what okay. we really want to spend the, the bulk of our time looking at is okay. what does that mean? Uh, Paul says love is patient and kind. Right, right at the beginning of verse 4 there. Yeah, yep. I think you talked a little about this last week. It, it literally means long-suffering yeah. or uh, long-to-anger long as yeah. opposed to short-tempered. Yeah. And, and the, the connection there is with kindness, which is positive action towards others. It, it, when I am patient and, and positively disposed towards others, I will take action for their good. It's mm-hmm. a tenderness. It, it's being pleasant. It's being eager to help. 
Uh, It's seeing people not as enemies, not as obstacles, not as problems, Mm -hmm. uh, but as opportunities for God to do something positive through us. And you know, see, man, I've been recognizing maybe like you, maybe like many of us, how, how easy it is to be patient when things are going our way. Mm-hmm. Oh, right? sure, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but love demonstrates patience when there are long lines of the store, mm-hmm. when that thing that we've needed for the last three weeks is still out of stock, mm-hmm. uh, when, when the clerk is rude and impatient, uh, when there's an error in the account balance, when something, somebody doesn't return something they borrowed. Yeah. Patience says, okay, I have an opportunity to lash out, but I'm going to remember how God is patient with me. When I am intentional to remind myself how much I need God's grace and patience, that's what helps me be patient with others and and show kindness. So here's one commitment that that could look like, one application point, to say, I I want to ask God to help me speak kindly and gently, refusing to attack others, looking for ways to reflect his patience. Paul goes on to say, love is not envious or boastful. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, envious there is zealous, from which we get our word. Zealous, zealous. Zeal, yeah, yeah zeal. exactly. In a positive way, it can mean to desire, mm-hmm. to, to long for something intently, set your heart on. But of course, in our fleshly sinful way, it can, it can turn sour mm-hmm. and become this passion to have what someone else has. Yeah, That can be uh, things, it can be recognition, it can be reputation. Mm-hmm. So that when somebody else is prosperous, blessed, healthy, uh, recognized, happy, mm-hmm. love celebrates that. Right. Envy says, I can't be happy unless either they don't have it or, or I have to have that. Yeah. But love is trusting God that I don't have to have what they have. And I have what God intends for me to have because he's good especially when it seems like he's showing more favor to others. And, and then the flip side of that, the, the boastful part, is the flip side of envy. That, that's If you think about it, it's, I need to inflate myself. Mm-hmm. I need to elevate myself over someone else so that they'll look at me and be envious. Sure, yeah. Right? Like I'm going to step over you and so I can look down and say, you think that's impressive? Look at what I did. Right. Listen to me. Like your inside of the pastor's meeting was pretty good. But, but mine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So envy cuts the other person down. Boastfulness builds the self up. Yeah, right. So it's, it's kind of the, the same kind of motion from a different angle. Yeah, in a sense. yeah. Still widening the gap between you and the person it, you're envious exactly. of. Exactly. And, and Paul's saying love does not tear people down. It does not want them to lose something so that I can succeed. Yeah. Love does not detract from the praise or the recognition that other people deserve. Right. Love... Uh, it is not about uh, trying to get credit for myself, but being quick to give credit to others. Mm-hmm. Love is pointing out other people's gifts and contributions. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's hard to sacrifice yourself for someone while also tearing them down. Yeah, those two things don't go yeah, together. Yeah, right, right. So what that could look like is fighting the temptation to be critical mm-hmm. and judgmental towards people, while I'm looking for ways to encourage and give praise. Mm-hmm. So if I see that I need to grow in not being envious or boastful, like here's, here's what that could look like, because love is not envious or boastful. 
And then he goes on to say, love is not arrogant or rude. Uh, mm-hmm. Love is, is not blunt. Mm-hmm. It's not harsh. Love speaks the truth, uh, but it's gentle and tactful. Mm-hmm. Uh, and man, I, I always get this kind of uh, inward cringe when I hear stories uh, of people that, you know, like they'll go into a restaurant or a store and, oh. and they or their kids will just like leave some huge mess behind. Right, and then say, "Well, that's their job to clean it up." Right, right. You're like, uh, yeah. I mean, I it's literally their job, but that doesn't give us the right to be demanding or rude or unkind or discourteous. Just because it's their job doesn't mean we have the right to make it harder. Yeah, yeah. That's that's a good way to put it. <laughs> Especially if we're not compensating them extra for it. Yeah, that's that's what Paul is saying. Um, it's an opportunity to say please and thank you and you're welcome. It's letting others go ahead. Uh, because even when people are arrogant or rude, love is humble and approachable, we could say, in, in the positive sense. Yeah, uh, okay. And, and I think, you know, again, in this pandemic, we've probably all been stretched and, and we've probably all had situations where maybe we've been asked to do things that aren't in our job description. Yeah, or, sure. Yeah. You know, like teach our kids at home. Yeah. And, <laughs> and maybe there's a temptation to be like, well, that's, why do I have to do that job? That's, that's beneath me. And again, what helps us is looking back to Jesus who picked up a towel and washed his disciples' feet. The people that, who are going to betray him mm-hmm. and, and, you know, hand him over to death. That's what love looks like. Um, and maybe what that could look like is a, I'm going to commit myself to unity and to understanding with other people instead of needing to win, to accuse them or, or, you know, or to be right, to mm-hmm. make sure that everyone knows I have the answers. Mm-hmm. Because love is not arrogant or rude. And then he goes on to say, love, uh, it's an interesting phrasing here, love does not insist on its own way mm-hmm. in, in verse 5. Or we could say love is not self-seeking. Uh, love is, we could say, kind of an enemy to selfishness. It's not looking for its own praise, its own honor, its own profit. Uh, because in fact, love is what frees me to not have to be so concerned with myself. Um, yeah. It's not that God is saying, you know, you have to hate yourself. But he is saying, I can, in love, be free to look out for and prefer other people's welfare, other people's success, mm-hmm. other people's satisfaction over my own, right. and, and to even prefer the good of the public or the community in, instead of my personal comfort or happiness. Yeah, yeah I'm... I'm in a relatively small fraternity uh, now. Uh, many, many of you may know small I... Small because people are dying off or <laughs> small? Why but, small? Because uh, I am in this group of people that have had and recovered from COVID-19, which oh, okay, according okay. to research, according to the best research, that means I can't get it again. So I'm, I'm safe, right? Like I'm free. I can go out in public and I don't really have anything to fear. But what I've realized is I really still need to wear this mask when I go out in public. Because, again, if I'm understanding the research correctly, the mask is not about keeping me from getting something. It's right. keeping me from giving anything. Yeah, to something somebody you may else. have and not know. Right. Yeah. I, I, don't, I wear the mask so they don't pass on germs to anyone. In right. my case, I don't have any germs. Right. So but no I, one knows that by looking at exactly. you. Exactly. So I will wear the mask and discomfort myself for mm-hmm. the sake of reducing other people's fear 
and communicating, I care about you. Uh, even though I don't even have any COVID germs to pass on to them, it's it, simply wearing the mask is a way of demonstrating I'm not just looking out for myself. Mm. And uh, maybe that's even not a big cost, right? Like it, it's an inconvenience, mm-hmm. but you know, what about delaying church opening so that we can be sure that when we come back together, right. everyone can be safe and healthy and we can do things right? It's speaking not just of faith, but of many yeah. churches across Indianapolis that are now wrestling with that question yeah. of when to open and keep people safe. Right, right. Uh, what, if, what if it meant like, uh, okay, now it's, it's, it's going to sound a little bit like boasting, but there's a confession at the end too. Uh, so okay. <laughs> I, I got in this habit uh, of getting up early to serve my family by making coffee and eggs mm-hmm. for my wife and daughter in the morning. And... You're I'm a like, good man. I, I, can, I can sacrifice my time uh, to love my family, to help them their day start well. And then the pandemic hit, and like you said, I lost the external discipline of yep. an alarm clock. <sighs> yeah. So I don't love as well as I thought I did. It wasn't love getting you out of bed in the morning? It, well, love plus alarm clock. It was a habit okay. that I've not, I've not had the self-discipline to continue. To pursue love, like yes. he says in 14. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, to... So what that can look like is not being self-seeking is the commitment to make costly sacrifices for the sake of others without expecting anything in return. Hmm. So one of the, it strikes me, one of the practical ways to do this is to do acts of goodwill or kindness for others, specifically n- not to be recognized for it. Yeah, yeah. Like, for me, it'd be doing the dishes without pointing out to my wife that I did the dishes. Hey, did you notice I did the dishes? All right. right? Now, now you've gone from preaching to meddling. Okay, sorry. Look at how good the kitchen looks, honey. Yeah. Oh, I think boy. I said that did, just in the last few days. Did you notice how I, uh, I went yeah. ahead and jumped ahead of the schedule and cleaned the kitchen yeah. for you? <clears throat> yeah. Uh, love is not irritable or resentful. Uh, love <laughs> is not easily provoked. Okay. Love doesn't fly off the handle. So that's irritability, not easily provoked, not, yes. not flying off the handle. L- love does not jump to respond to a provocation. So somebody <laughs> hurts you. Somebody makes some, you know, little barbed comment. It, you know, went between, you know, yeah, a little slided in between the ribs a little. Mm-hmm. And so we've got some options of what we can do, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the first obvious one, of course, is while I retaliate, I say something back. Uh, you know, I, I point something out about them or what they did. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, all of us know how to do that. Um, that's that's kind of hot anger. And then cold anger is, you know, you just sort of file that away and hold that in reserve until a good time when you can pull it out and, you know, throw it back in their face. Uh, right? Because revenge yeah. is a dish best served cold, Yeah, which is a horrible recipe. The third option is, of course, you know, if we're following Christ, to let go and to choose to forgive. Uh, Because when we're focused on loving other people, what that does is it short circuits the resentment towards what we experience, which can be genuinely harmful. Mm -hmm. There's one thing that I know absolutely every one of us has in common. We've all been hurt. We've all been offended. We've all been wronged. Mm -hmm. We've all been let down in some way. Somebody's cheated you. Somebody's lied to you. Somebody was unfair. You experienced some injustice. Mm-hmm. And it can be really hard to let go, to not respond to that, to not have to find a way right. Right. to 
even the score. Right. This is why my wife and I will not play Settlers of Catan with each other. Because <laughs> all of yeah. that happens in that yeah, game. Yeah, of course. It's a game specifically designed yeah. to make people irritable and resentful. I, yeah, I, all of us have been wronged. All of us have been hurt. And it can be hard to, to let go of that. And uh, Paul Tripp again suggests one thing that can look like is to make a daily commitment to resist needless conflict that comes from pointing out and responding to even the minor offenses. Hmm. So this is like a a fast from verbal self-defense. Yeah, that's good. Fasting. Fasting from verbal self-defense. Yes. Which starts with the... Uh. Prayer to God through the power of the Spirit to say, help me not just, you know, say, uh, you know, that's beneath me or they're beneath me. Right. Not to go and to hot anger. Don't hold on to it until after the fast either. Right. <laughs> yeah. Here's all the things yeah. I didn't tell you while yeah. I was being spiritual. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, no, we're, we're really going to say, God, I can let this go into your hands. And as far as it is up to me, I, I release that. I'm willing to absorb the cost, yeah, just like right. Jesus absorbed it for me out of love for that person. I'm going to choose to avoid the conflict over the offenses and the wrongs because of knowing what you have done for me in Christ. Yeah. It, it may be that we discover it turns out that because we're loved by God, it's really not that important for yeah. us to constantly in small little ways be pointing out how good we are to other people okay this is where i said i needed you to preach this section, ah, sorry case. should we move yeah. on to the next one yeah let's quickly do that love is love is not irritable resentment. love does not rejoice at wrongdoing but rejoices with the truth got it um so at the most basic level it just means you know maybe we'd say the most pagan thing is you know i'm, I'm happy to see evil or injustice occur and you know that's kind of the ultimate form of anti-love uh, and and maybe you know we'd perhaps be hard pressed to think of examples where like we're rejoicing that there's injustice. But if you think about when someone has hurt or wronged us, it's not so far away to want to see them pay, even even if they get what they don't deserve. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of a rejoicing at wrongdoing. We judge them deserving of evil or misfortune, and then we're kind of glad when it happens. You know, maybe a more immediate example is, you know, the era of political partisanship that we live in. You know, we're outraged when the other guy does something, and then when our guy does it, you know, he had a good excuse, it was perfectly justifiable. It may be almost exactly the same thing, but we can excuse it when it's somebody we agree with, and we condemn it when it's somebody we disagree with. That's... Wrongdoing, that's rejoicing in wrongdoing. I'm rejoicing in injustice, literally, mm-hmm. when, when I am a political partisan. Rejoicing in the truth means we delight to see God's truth more known and heard and loved and obeyed, especially when I'm the one that's in the wrong and needs to repent. And what that could look like is you know, a commitment to unity and understanding instead of winning, accusing, you know, getting the last word in, mm-hmm. walking away justified. More about asking questions than making statements. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, again, this posture of humility that says, I need to sit under. The, the, the truth that I'm pointing at someone else is the same truth that I need to sit under. And if that's my commitment, that's going to lead me 
towards unity and understanding because we're both under the truth that we need to humble ourselves by. We're, we're both sinners seeking God's grace and understanding. Love does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. And then uh, this, this sort of collection, love uh, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things in verse 7. And there's, there's obviously this repeated pattern, related pattern here. Uh, to, to bear with means uh, literally to cover over, um, okay. to, to believe. To believe all things uh, obviously does not mean, well, you know, whatever you like, just you know, <laughs> believe that, right? I mean, it, That's it, naivete. Yeah, I mean, it means to trust, to put your faith in, uh, and hope obviously is to, to put your confidence in, and, and we know what to endure means. It, it means to stay, to, to stick it out. Mm-hmm. And I think these are all about the way that Jesus has related to us and things that we should do for others, that, that we are, in a sense, willing to cover over other sins. We're willing to uh, bear up under mm-hmm. the wrong and the sin of others. We're willing to believe good, believe all good about other people, to hope in God's work in other people's lives, mm. to endure the pain, the sorrow, the disappointment, the hurt, uh, because we're trusting that God is at work in their lives just like He's at work in our lives. And then we're going to stick it out with those people to hopefully see God bring the same grace and love and joy into their lives that we've experienced. That's big. So that means we are... That means we are looking for the needs of others so that we could remove burdens, support them, and encourage them. Just like God does for us. Ooh, uh, I don't know about you, but my guess is I, I know for me, uh, I, I need work. Uh, this is um, humbling and challenging, and, and it can maybe even feel a little overwhelming. Uh, so, you know the old saying, how do you, how do you eat an elephant? Uh, yeah, one, one bite at a time. One bite at a time, yeah. right? Um, I'm the family driving instructor. Uh, I'm, I'm now on my fourth, uh, fifth learner's permit, counting my own, uh, four uh, yes. kids. I've noticed a sign um, in the back of your car that says something like, please be patient, student driver. Yes, which is not me, so if you guys see that. <laughs> hey, you're I've, the student driver? I've had it. I, you know, I've had <laughs> my license quite a while, and... Um, I'm guessing the first time that you sat behind the wheel of a car, it was a little awkward. You weren't totally sure what to do. Yeah, um, but that was mostly because the first time I sat behind the wheel of the car, my dad made me sit on his lap. Oh. I was 14, uh, driving our family's 15-passenger okay. van around the high school parking lot. Wow. Sitting on his lap. Okay, right. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Right, so the, the first time, like we're just now going through this with our, our fourth child, Isabel, who's in high school. Mm-hmm. And, and she's, uh, you know, when she first got in the car, it was a little overwhelming. And oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. How much do I press down on the accelerator? And how much do, you know, how, how do I keep the car in between the lines so I'm not drifting over mm-hmm. in, into another lane? I mean, uh, so you practiced. Yeah. But you practiced, and the more you practiced, the better you got at it, so that now driving is almost second nature, right. except for parallel parking. We become more loving people through practice. 
Okay, just, knowledge, practice. Just to back to what Paul said at the beginning, I could, I could have all the knowledge in the world, all the faith in the world, all the generosity, all the giftedness, but if I'm not actually loving people, if I'm not mm-hmm. taking steps with intentionality to practice loving, it, it, nothing's going to change. Mm-hmm. So we have to take on habits. We have to take steps that are maybe going to seem awkward at first. Right. But that's how you develop the habit, right? right? And, and you find that the more you practice, the more it becomes a habit and, and the more natural and, you know, kind of second nature it becomes. And, and unlike driving, the, the more we practice habits of love, the more we actually start looking with love at people. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the intentionality that we put together with practice that builds habits that then starts to shape our attitudes towards other people. Mm-hmm. Because as we said, responsible participation with God's spirit mm-hmm. guided by his word is what grows the fruit of the spirit in us. But right now, again, we may feel a little overwhelmed by all this. Um, I mean, I do, and, and I'm a pastor, mm-hmm. right? I, I, but the good news is we have an entire life with God's spirit living in us to grow us in love. God, God is not saying, okay, you know, go take up these eight things tomorrow yeah. and, you know, get cracking on it. You, you did, a, again, great job pointing out, we're going to grow in these areas, but at different rates and, mm-hmm. and with different focus at different times. So definitely don't try to practice everything at once. Maybe go back over that list and just through this passage, yeah. what are the one or two areas to focus on? And, and then I'd say, tell someone else. And then you've got someone that the two of you together are trying to encourage and remind each other how we're trying to love. Yeah. And I'd say too, let yourself off the hook. You don't have to have all this figured out by the end of quarantine, right? There's <laughs> yeah. this whole don't waste your quarantine oh, yeah. thing going around. Yeah. And, um, Maybe all the quarantine is supposed to do is show us where we need to grow, not itself be the time in which we think we have to grow. Right. Right. A lot of people Absolutely. were talking about all these great things they wanted to do during quarantine and are now discovering that, oh, wow, the most psychologically traumatic event of my lifetime was apparently not the fodder for creativity I thought it was going to be. Yes. Or for yeah. discipline or for whatever. It's like, yeah. okay, you know what? I need to grow in love. That I'm going to start working on that in little ways now and in right. little ways for the rest of my life. Right. And and it can just simply be starting with asking God to help you see the ways that you're not loving Mm -hmm. and with gratitude recognizing that Jesus has paid for that failure to love Mm -hmm. and also empowers us to love better. And loves us in spite of our failure. Yeah, absolutely. Unconditionally. And and the reality is as soon as we start to do these things, as soon as we try to take those steps, we're going to fail and we're going to realize how hard it is and how I can't do this in myself. I do not have it in me to love to the extent and in the way that Jesus loves me. And, and that's kind of the point. I mean, that's what makes the gospel so freeing is because it's only in Christ that we can be safe and free to acknowledge I don't love like Jesus loves me. And that's why we need Christ in our life. Because Jesus has come not only to pay the penalty for our failure to love, but to give us a new kind of life Mm -hmm. so that now we actually want to and are able to love 
the way that Jesus loves us so that we would have the desire, the wisdom, and the ability to love more like Jesus does. And the first step is simply to say, Jesus, I I need you. I I need you in my life. Mm -hmm. I need your help. I need your power. I, I, I need you to guide my heart and my life. And maybe there are some people listening that have never done that. And this is the time to say that. But it's the thing we all need to say in the face of our ongoing failures to love like Jesus loves us. But the good news is if that's what you want, that's awesome because that's what God wants to. What God mm-hmm. wants for us is a life of love. And, and so ultimately, um, the encouragement is the same God whose love has been shed abroad in our hearts mm-hmm. comes to live in us by the power of his spirit to reproduce that love that we have experienced. You know, I am almost constantly in awe at the gifts that people have at Faith Church, the the Mm -hmm. spiritual gifts. Mm -hmm. I'm amazed at people's uh, faithfulness and generosity, uh, at at their enduring giving of themselves in ministry and service. Um, But more important than any of that is how I get a front row seat to view the hundreds and hundreds of ways that the love of God is expressed yeah. through people yeah. here at faith and, and of course in so many other congregations. God empowers us to love mm-hmm. as we have been loved. Would you pray for us? Absolutely. Joe? Father, love is the highest of the virtues, the most intense of the flavors mm-hmm. of the fruit of the Spirit, um, the one the one law of your kingdom, the royal law of love. Pray that uh, from what we've heard today and what we put in practice over the coming weeks, uh, you would grow in us love and so grow in us uh, the other flavors uh, of the fruit of the Spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Jeff. Hey, next week, we, uh, you're back running yep. the show on joy, if yep. I recall. So happy Mother's Day to all of you yeah. watching on Sunday, or happy Mother's Day tomorrow if you're watching on Saturday, or hey, Mother's Day was Sunday if you're watching this you know, after and you missed it. Call your moms, and we're out. <laughs>